So today we are going to talk about the next uh, one of the top 10 tips to being a successful orthopedic massage therapist, and that is visualizing. And there's a lot involved with visualizing. This is really where we're getting more into advanced type um, experience and skills and knowledge. So visualizing, it's, it's the ability inside our head to again, visualize what's actually happening, what, how something is being affected or how something happened. So, um, what are the fundamentals that are involved in visualizing? Well, number one, um, having a solid understanding of anatomy, understanding where things are supposed to be. We're talking muscle, bone, tendon, ligament, uh, spacing, such as spacing of vertebrae, um, the correct or normal healthy curves of the spine. Uh, physiology, that's going to be not anatomy, which is where things are at. It's going to be more the understanding of how things work. So this is where it gets complex. It's having an understanding of muscles, nerves, uh, connective tissue, um, chemical responses, how uh, the different types of the nervous systems and how things are, how responses are initiated. Um, kinesiology is huge uh, in our job, which is the understanding of movement. So it's basically understanding the anatomy and the physiology to create movement, correct, healthy movement. There's also being able to visualize uh, physical guarding uh, in the tissue, like how is the body responding to the um, engagement that we're doing. Emotional response and guarding, same thing. How is the body responding to whatever stimulus is going on? Um, releasing, you know, when we feel those releases or softening of tissue or uh, fasciculation releases, what exactly is going on inside the body? How something is affecting other body parts. What we're doing on one area, how is it affecting the surrounding areas and tissue and how it might be affecting other sides of the body. And so examples of this would be releasing tension on one side. How is that going to affect the tension on the other side? Um, an example would be bilateral neck tension, but we start on the left and we release the left. Well, now the right side doesn't have the tension, the same tensility that it's pulling, that the left side was pulling against. So now the right side can pull harder and that's going to pull the neck more towards the right. Whereas if they were pulling evenly, it might hurt because there's tension on both sides, but at least it's somewhat trying to keep the head straight. If you release one side or lengthen one side and the other side doesn't get released, then the other side that's trying to stay, sh to contract and shorten all the time is going to pull the head to the right. Um, putting strain on the muscles and tendons and then adding more strain with pressure. Um, this is something I have to teach every single new patient or new therapist that comes in. And great example of this is the neck. If you tilt the neck to the left to provide access to your hand on the right, you've now stretched those muscles uh, and tendons and ligaments in that, on the right side. And so they're already stretched and somewhat strained. Maybe not uncomfortably, but they are strained. They're, they're lengthened. And then you apply pressure to that. How much more strain or stress is that adding on there? 
Uh, I always give the example of taking a rubber band and keeping it to where it's just straight, pulling it apart, it's just straight, but it's not stretched, it's not shortened. And then you apply pressure, that rubber band can handle, can move a whole lot. But if you take that rubber band and you stretch it as far as it can go and you apply pressure, you have to apply a whole lot more pressure to get that rubber band to move as much as it did as when it's relaxed. You have to apply a lot more stress um, and it puts more strain on it. Um, and that leads to my whole thing about um, the benefits of working a muscle in a neutral or shortened position, but that's another podcast. Um, jostling, that's a big thing. Uh, how are we physically moving the body? Let's say somebody comes in and they've got low back problems and SI um, pain, and we go in and work the side of the QL. So we're getting in deep on the QL, which feels good, but because the way we're doing it, we're pushing their hips over. Uh, you know, we're basically pushing the body away from us. And that will add instability or pull on an already unstable joint and can create more pain versus if we brace that side so it can't move away from us. Now we can sink in deep to the QL from the side, but we're not putting more strain or movement on that joint. Um, so some other things that we're going to be feeling are range of motion uh, limitations. If we're passively moving a joint and it's not going or it's going slow or it's hitching, is it muscle guarding that's preventing the full range of motion? Is it scar tissue? Is it bone on bone because the joint is sitting in an incorrect place? What is it that is actually causing the limitation? Um, visualizing, you know, what can help us with this, looking at MRIs or x-rays are huge. And now I cannot read an MRI film, but I can get an MRI report. And hopefully the radiologist who did the report is going to give us full information. I will say that's more often than not, we don't get all the information we need, but we can take this MRI report and now we can build a mental picture of what's going on inside there. For instance, is there a disc herniation? How big is that disc herniation? Where is the herniation? Is it perfectly anterior or is it anterior lateral left and how much? Um, the, if there's disc degeneration, how far, how close are the two vertebrae on top and below? Are they just a little bit or is it bone on, almost bone on bone? Um, is if there's stenosis, which is narrowing, how much is it narrowing and what is that doing to any of the tissue or um, nerves that are going in that space? And thinking about what is physical, um, what's fixable or what's not. We'll get an idea, uh, if we have an idea of what's going on in our head, um, we can kind of get an idea of what is actually what we can fix and what we can't. So if we get an x-ray or an MRI and there is an osteophyte, which is a bone spur, that's not something massage can fix. We can't massage away a bone spur, but we're going to be able to visualize in our head what that bone spur is doing to whatever soft tissue it's hitting. We can also get an idea of where the bone spur is at because bone spurs are basically like bone calluses where something is causing that. And so what is causing that? Usually it's going to be rubbing because a joint isn't sitting correctly. Um, we also know that we can't take away their pain completely as long as that osteophyte is there. Um, it needs to be referred out to someplace else. 
Um, we want to think about what muscles or parts of the muscles are involved. For instance, if we're doing a gait um, analysis, let's say we've got somebody who has a lateral rotation of their foot and it's moderate. Well, whenever they lift their foot up and walk, how are the muscles actually firing? Because they're not firing in the correct position. They're, they're going to be short, shorter than they should be or in some places or longer in other places. And how is that going to affect all the way up? Um, where is there more strain or less strain? Um, we want to think about why does it hurt? And is this the cause or the symptom? So this is a really basic example, but a lot of people come in because they've got pain between their shoulder blades, lower neck between their shoulder blades. So it hurts there. Well, we can look at them and we can see posturally their head is leaning way forward and their shoulders are rotated anterior. So we need to visualize what is, what all is going on here. We can see that the muscles in the front are pulling more than the muscles in the back. And so we know that they're shortened, but at the same time, what is this doing to the back? Well, there's strain. The muscles in the back are being lengthened. They're kind of always starting from a lengthened position. Now, because they're already lengthened and strained when that person does movement, not only does it maybe add more strain, but there might be micro tears happening, which is gonna build up adhesions or scar tissue. So we can visualize that's what's going on in there, how that tissue is affected um, and why they feel it where they, why they feel it in the back and not in the front. So there's just, there's so much to visualize and the more you learn, the better you're going to be able to visualize. This isn't something you can ever become accomplished at because there's always more to learn. Always, always more to learn. Um, so why is visualizing beneficial? Well, number one, we can be more effective at our work. We're going to be able to be able to correct, make corrections faster if we're able to visualize how the patient's body is, um, it, whether they're accepting, the body's accepting our treatment or if they're fighting us. Uh, be a little bit better about maybe not doing too much too fast or maybe not enough. We'll be better equipped to have an understanding, not just of the injury, but how it affected that particular patient. Because remember, it's different for every single person. Let's say someone falls and dislocates their arm. Well, there are so many different variables. Did they fall on the arm and dislocate it? Did they fall down the stairs and grabbed a railing and their body keep, kept moving and it dislocated because of that? At what point in the range of motion or place of the shoulder, place of the, herm, uh, the humerus, did it dislocate? Did it dislocate being pulled forward, backwards, out to the side, up? You know, where, where, did, where was the place of strain that just decided to have it pop out? What did that shoulder coming out of the socket do to the ligaments? Which ligaments um, are gonna have more strain? The surrounding muscles, the tendons. How were they affected? Were they maybe not just stretched, but possibly torn? And this is sometimes if there's an MRI that's gonna give us that exact information. Um, did the muscles activate at the time of impact? Or did they just go lax? Um, and how are they responding since the injury? Are they continuing to guard and protect? Is there scar tissue in there? Um, how did they fall? So let's say they dislocated their shoulder, but what else happened? Did they land on their side? Did they land with their hand out? Was their elbow bent? Was it straight? Did they catch themselves with one hand, two hands? Did they hit their head? If they did, was it the same side as the shoulder dislocation? Um, or did it go the other way? So now we've got a shoulder dislocation, but we might have 
the muscles on top of that shoulder might have gotten stretched as well. Post-injury, what did they do activity-wise? Did they give the body time to heal or did they get right back to doing activity? How is their body going to be responding to that activity? Is it going to constantly keep it in a state of, oh my goodness, I need to protect because this person is constantly re-injuring me? Or is it feeling safe enough to go through its normal healing process? Um, is there inflammation? If there is, how is that affecting the patient? You know, what exactly is inflammation? Inflammation gets vilified a lot uh, as a cause of pain, but most people don't really understand why it would be causing pain. Um, so having an understanding of how inflammation, why, why it's work, why it's doing what it's doing, um, how it's the first stage of the healing process, and it will create space, it, it takes up space and it blocks things off. And usually that can hurt because now things are moving and things are not moving or there's more pressure put in there that wasn't there before. How does that feel the patient? What is that doing? Um, taking anti-inflammatories, how is that affecting the, not just the inflammation, but how's that affecting the injury and the patient as a whole? So um, understanding how anti-inflammatories work chemically is important because we can have an understanding not only what it's doing inside the tissue, but also will give us an understanding of how to make recommendations to the patient about what they can and can't be doing and how it affects the injury. So for instance, let's say they bring the inflammation down. Uh, well, inflammation is the first stage of the healing process and it has a purpose. And every time they bring the inflammation down, once those anti-inflammatories go away, the inflammation process either has to start all over again or it's being inhibited. So now this is going to slow down the overall healing process. Or maybe they don't take any at all and the inflammation gets to be a bit too much and now they can't sleep because it's putting too much pressure somewhere. So, um, or, or the patient doesn't feel pain uh, like they did because the inflammation's gone down and then they do activities or movements that actually make the injury worse just because they don't feel the pain which keeps them from doing something. So there's really a lot to visualizing. You have to be able to have an imagination. You have to be able to imagine things that you're not actually seeing. And that is, some people have a great talent at it, others really have to work at it. We live in an age now where we're fortunate with the internet and technology to have the ability to have access to videos, pictures, 3D images. When I started this 22 years ago, we just had books and they didn't move, you know, things didn't move, we didn't see how things stretched as much. So nowadays, somebody who doesn't maybe have so much of an imagination, or if you don't actually have the knowledge or you forgot knowledge, because that happens, we don't use the same knowledge all the time, we can go on and Google and you can type in the joint, the area, the tissue, how something works, I'm looking for a video of muscles moving in this action and how it affects things. So now we've got a visual we can actually place in our head instead of completely imagining it um, on our own. Visualizing is, like I said, it's a talent, but it can be developed. And for people who don't have the talent, it can also be developed. It's just gonna be, you know, they need to put more effort into it. You need to constantly uh, maybe find images to put in your head. Uh, and remembering that things aren't gonna be the same for every single person. Whatever image you have in your head for one person, you can have another person with the exact same injury and it's not gonna be exactly the same. 
So we have to be able to imagine what's going on in that person's body. And like I said, this is not, this is an ongoing process. This is not something that you can just say, hey, I'm gonna take a six week, week course on visualizing to be more effective. It doesn't work that way. Uh, every bit of knowledge that you, that you obtain will further help develop your ability to visualize. Until I understood how anti-inflammatory, oral anti-inflammatory medication worked, I wasn't able to use that information to my visualization process. Once I learned that, now I can. Um, until I learned how scar tissue formed and what caused it, I wasn't able to add that to my visualiz visualization process. So um, doing the best you can with what you have is great, but it's something that needs to always be continually progressing. And if you have trouble, sometimes it helps me to brainstorm with people. Uh, sometimes in order for me to visualize, I'll have to actually do it myself or at least start to do it myself and see maybe where I feel something pulling or straining or have it done on me, such as having somebody tilt my head, crank my head to the left so they can put pressure on the right. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of tiny, or at least I used to be kind of tiny, and I used to wonder why does it not feel good for people to put their elbow or their forearm on my thoracic area? You know, why does it just feel like I can't breathe, but it doesn't feel like I'm getting much done? Well, I went to my skeleton and I put my forearm across the back and I realized the arm, the forearm is getting stuck on the scapula, the spine, and the ribs. So instead of it actually getting deep tissue, all that's happening is I'm getting shoved down into the table. So I had to kind of go through it myself and walk through it myself. So now I can visualize better if, you know, I'm using this certain technique or, or process how it's affecting the tissue. So like I said, it takes imagination, but this is a big part of not only why I get success, but why my effectiveness has grown over the years is because the more experience I have, the more knowledge I have, the more I'm able to visualize, the more effective I can be for my patients.